0: This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Welcome to episode 81 of Feedroom Chemist. Today, we will be covering the difference between essential and non-essential amino acids. Last year, I recorded a webinar on amino acids, and I released the audio from that webinar as a podcast. So if you want to check that out, um, flip back to Feed Room Chemist episode number 12, um, and that'll give you a pretty good uh, general foundation on amino acids. But today, we are going to dig just a little bit deeper into this topic. Um, And the reason being, I I received a few questions from some listeners who asked me to explain the difference between essential amino acids and non-essential amino acids. So let's start off um, just making sure that everyone has a basic foundation of what amino acids are. So amino acids are... Um, They're basically molecules that link together to form proteins, okay? Then if you think about it on the flip side, when proteins are digested or broken down within the body, you're left with amino acids, okay? So an amino acid is, it's identified as um, an organic compound. So it's composed of nitrogen, carbon, hydrogen, and then oxygen, Um, but then each amino acid has what is called a variable side chain group, okay? So when when short chains of um, two or more amino acids are linked together, it's called a peptide, okay? So so as a general rule, when you've got, uh, let's say, two to 20 amino acids that are linked together, um, you actually call that an oligopeptide. And then when you have 20 to 50 amino acids that are linked together, um, you generally will call that a polypeptide, okay? So, peptides, just as a general rule, are are those that are less than 50 amino acids linked together, okay? So, then when you have multiple polypeptides that are linked together, okay, so that, that makes your chains more than 50 amino acids, you call that a protein, So proteins then are what make up most of the structure and, and a lot of the functions within the body, um, proteins or those chains of amino acids are responsible for, for, for things that we, you know, normally would associate with amino acids. So, you know, things like building muscles, you know, strong tendons, strong ligaments, but those proteins or those chains of amino acids, um, go way beyond that, um, I mean, they, they do things within the body that, that most people don't consider at all. I mean, these amino acids are, or these proteins are, you know, they're making up cells. They are, um, you know, making up the nervous system, a structural, uh, you know, blood vessels, membranes, they make up enzymes, hormones, neurotransmitters, you know, even antibodies, you know, when the, when the body has to try to, to, um, when the immune system is trying to function, it requires these amino acids and these, these proteins to create antibodies. Um, so just, you know, all kinds of things within the body, um, are reliant upon, you know, these foundational, structures, these amino acids and these peptides and these proteins. Okay. So my point here is that, you know, amino acids are just uber, uber important (laughs) to the horse's body. Now the horse is capable of producing some amino acids on their own. Okay. Those are called non-essential amino acids. And the reason that they're called non-essential is because the body has the ability to synthesize or or to make these amino acids, um, to then be further used within the body. Now, on the other hand, we have what are called essential amino acids, and we call these amino acids essential because a horse must consume those from the diet. All right. So, um, I know that there are people out there with the burning question of like, oh, which ones are the essential ones? Like, what are their names? (laughs) So I will give you the list. Um, The essential amino acids for the horse are going to be arginine, histidine, isoleucine, leucine, lysine, methionine, phenylalanine, threonine, tryptophan, and valine. Okay. So we know that lysine is critical for growth and development. There's been a lot of research on that. Um, we know that methionine is instrumental in hoof health and hair and coat quality. Um, we know that threonine is, is involved in tissue repair. Um, we also know that the branched chain amino acids, okay, so that's this little group of three, um, the, the three that are included in those branched chain amino acids are isoleucine, leucine, and valine. Um, those branched chain amino acids are highly beneficial to horses, um, especially given post-workout, um, as they, they help with, you know, the, the process of muscle breakdown and, and rebuilding. Okay. So they're really good for recovery time in these horses that are being worked really intensely. Now, the interesting thing about essential amino acids is that they are required in a very specific order. And in very specific quantities, okay? So if if one amino acid runs out, it limits the protein synthesis for the rest of the amino acids, all right? So, So it's because of this limiting factor, right? You may hear the phrase first limiting amino acid, right? So a lot of times you'll hear people talk about a first limiting amino acid being lysine. Well, that means that the very first amino acid that we need to be concerned about in the diet is lysine. So if we don't have enough lysine in the diet, it's basically going to limit the function of all of the other amino acids, right? So it, it doesn't matter, I mean, it doesn't matter how many branch chain amino acid supplements you dump into your horse's feed if you are not first meeting your lysine needs. Okay. So I mean it would just be a huge waste of money to go down that rabbit hole of supplying all of these, you know, less common amino acids um, in a supplement form if you're not first going to ensure that your horse's lysine requirement is met. Okay. So I've I've used this analogy before, but you know, it's it's a lot like building a house where we're gonna use the house as a metaphor for building structures within the body. Okay, so imagine that every major component of a house. Imagine those as each a different amino acid, okay? So the foundation, the flooring, the walls, the roof, all of these are necessary parts of building a house in the same way that each amino acid is a necessary part of building a strong horse, okay? So let's say a a construction contractor runs out of concrete while they're pouring the foundation for your house, right? The building process stops until more concrete arrives, right? Um, let's say that the contractor runs out of drywall, okay? The building process stops until more drywall arrives, right? Amino acids are really similar, okay? So if one amino acid is in short supply, then muscle building or antibody production or whatever cannot continue until that specific amino acid has been replenished through the diet, okay? So I guess to maybe further illustrate my point here, um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people talk about or have at least heard about these branch chain amino acids and how they can support exercise, exercise recovery. Well, think of those as, you know, being similar to the roof on your house, right? You can't put a roof on a house if you don't have walls, right? <laughs> so let's say someone is feeding um, just a grass-only diet, you know, no no supplemental feed, no supplements, no diet balancer, no nothing. They're just, they're going on a straight forage diet and they're feeding just grass hay. Okay. But they're feeding this to a very high level performance horse. Okay. That horse could very possibly be deficient in lysine. Um, we of course could test that hay and and we could find out for sure, but let's assume, um, Let's assume that we did test it and that forage is not providing adequate levels of lysine. Well, if that person decided to say incorporate a branch chain amino acid supplement into the diet, because they heard that that was really good for muscle recovery and this is a performance horse, right? I mean, they, they're basically trying to put a roof on a house with no walls. Okay. So you have to satisfy that lysine need first. And then most likely you probably need to make sure that you're satisfying the threonine needs. Um, There's still a little bit of debate among researchers on the amount of threonine that a horse needs. Um, The studies are kind of, they're a little bit all over the board. Um, So the National Research Council or the NRC suggests that threonine requirements should be um, between 53 to 62% of what the lysine intake is. Um, But there's, there's, other studies out there that, you know, are, that that show discrepancy against that. Okay. So, um, you know, for example, one study suggested that threonine should be between 67 to 80% of lysine intake. So suggesting it should be a little higher than what NRC says. Um, And then there's actually another study out there that reported that it should be 75 to 160% of lysine intake. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a big spread right there. Um, so the jury, the jury is still out on that one, but I think that most researchers and most nutritionists are comfortable, at least, with the idea that threonine is probably um, most likely the the second most limiting amino acid in the equine diet. Um, you know, methionine, that's another really important essential amino acid just because of its implications for hoof health, um, hair and coat quality. I mean, we all want pretty horses with really strong, healthy hooves, long manes, long tails, you know, glossy coat, right? (laughs) Um, so that's, you know, that's, that's why methionine gets included a lot, um, because there has been some data to support the use of that. Um, so I generally tell horse owners, um, You know, they they should if they're looking for a really good, you know, a high end feed like a really quality feed or or supplement product, um, or if they're just wanting to really drill down and make sure that they're getting their amino acids um, requirements met, you know, I'll generally give generally give them the advice that they should be looking on the tag for um, lysine, uh, methionine, and threonine. Those are kind of like the three big ones that I'm interested in. Typically, you will see those on the feed tag under the guaranteed analysis, um, and it'll be listed right under crude protein um, in that section of the feed tag. So, um, you know, something else to keep in mind is, you know, where are these um, amino acids coming from? Like, what are the sources? Where are they being derived from? So certain feed ingredients are naturally higher in amino acids. Um, so think of you know soybean meal, really high in amino acids, like really good amino acid profile. Um, alfalfa meal, fresh pasture growth, um, you know those those are things that are gonna gonna have uh, pretty decent, pretty high, pretty good amino acid profiles, um, and uh, of the essential amino acids, and so you know, I, I really like to see feeds and, and generally when I'm formulating, you know, the higher quality products, I really like to use alfalfa meal, um, as one of the base ingredients. And so when you're looking at a feed tag, you know, I, I like to see alfalfa meal as, as the first or second ingredient. And the reason for that is, is because that alfalfa meal just, it provides a really good foundation, um, of those naturally occurring essential amino acids. Now keep in mind, alfalfa meal is expensive, right and 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 I get it like not everyone can pay twenty or thirty or forty dollars for a bag of feed. Um, so one way that manufacturers or nutritionists can kind of help cut that cost is to use base ingredients that are um, I'm gonna say bland that's probably not a very very smart word, or a very good way to describe it. But basically, what I mean is, is they're using base ingredients that have a little bit um, lesser in terms of their amino acid profiles. Now, if that happens, or if they go that route, um, you know, the the feed will has one of two options. Then, either the feed can be lacking in amino acids, and they just you know can have a much lower cost, um, or the company can add back uh, crystalline sources of amino acids. So if, if they choose to do that, they choose to add back the amino acids, which I mean, I think is a smart move. Um, you might see the words like L lysine. So L lysine or D L methionine. Um, you'd see those on the ingredients list and there's absolutely, you know, nothing wrong with those ingredients. Um, you shouldn't be afraid of them. Um, However, just kind of as a personal preference, um, I, I like to use those crystalline sources of amino acids more like the finishing touch of satisfying those amino acid needs um, and not rely on them as the base or the foundation of the amino acids that are being supplied. And my only reasoning there is just because, you know, the, the research that I've seen suggests that, you know, the naturally occurring amino acids, so the things that would, you would find naturally in the alfalfa meal or soybean meal, those are going to be more bioavailable to the horse, meaning the body is going to be able to um, absorb those uh, more efficiently, easier. Um, it's just, it, it, the, it's all going to operate a little bit more optimally than if you use those like more chemically produced versions of the amino acids. So, you know, if, if you're unsure Um, of the amino acid profile of your horse's diet, or let's say, you know, first and foremost, I recommend that you, you get your hay tested, right? So you can get um, a lysine guarantee or I'm sorry, a lysine estimate um, out of your forage analysis. Um, And so I just, I think, I think that every episode I I figure out a way every episode, I feel like to circle back to you need to get your hay tested, (laughs) right? I'm, I'm sure that I'm starting to sound a little bit like a broken record to you guys, but I mean, it really, you know, when when something is 75 to 80% of your horse's diet, I mean, to not know what it is providing nutritionally is just absurd to me. <laughs> so, I mean, I I get that, you know, it doesn't always make sense for everybody to buy, you know, three or four months worth of hay at the same time. Not everybody can do that. They don't have the space. You know. I mean, that's a lot of money to invest, right? Especially if they have a lot of horses. Um, so I get that that's difficult. So at the very, very least, um, you can go on to Analyticals website. And first of all, you should at least know what kind of hay you're feeding, right? Are you feeding, um, you know, a grass hay? Are you feeding an alfalfa hay? If you're feeding grass hay, are you feeding, you know, cool season species? Are you feeding warm season species? You know, you definitely do need to understand that regardless of how much hay you buy. Um, You need to understand that so that you can at least then get yourself into an average and understand that there's a radical difference in the amino acid profile between feeding alfalfa And feeding a coastal Bermuda grass hay, right? Those those are radically different. So if you are feeding a a warm season grass, so something like Bermuda grass or coastal, um, you know, there's a really good chance, depending on the stage of the maturity of that that it was cut, um, there's a really good chance that that hay is not going to provide enough lysine or enough amino acids to meet your horse's needs. So. I'm sorry, I, I, I got off track a little bit on this whole hay analysis thing. But, um, of course, testing your hay is the best way to know what's going on for your horse. Um, but if that's not possible, if you can't do that, um, you can go to Analyticals website and you can find um, kind of the averages um, of certain grass hays and certain alfalfas, or, um, you know, reach out to your local extension agent. Um, there are, our extension specialists, um, in every state in the United States that, um, can help you work through figuring out, you know, kind of, um, what your local forage is. Um, so let's say maybe you have your horses out on pasture. Maybe you're lucky enough to live in an area where, um, your horse can graze pasture year round, right? It doesn't get so cold that that pasture goes totally dormant and bad. Um, but you, you need to know, you need to understand what, what kind of nutrition that forage is providing. And so, you know, testing it is one way, working with an extension agent is another, Um, working with an equine nutritionist is another, right? That's kind of what we do as equine nutritionists is, is we have a pretty good understanding of what the averages are for these types of forages. So we can at least get you in the right ballpark. Um, Again, that's if you don't want to actually get your hay test, we can get you in the right ballpark. So, um, you know, let's, let's say that you you think that your forage is not providing um, the, the essential amino acids in the right amounts, um, you know, or you just, you, you've had your hay tested and you know that it doesn't, right? So either way, um, let's say you just want a supplement that provides all of the essential amino acids. Um, if you want to go that route, I recommend a supplement, um, Stride Animal Health makes it, it's called Competitive Edge. And that supplement is going to provide and actually have listed and guaranteed on the tag um, all of the essential amino acids that a horse needs. Um, plus, it actually contains um, some antioxidant support, and then it also is a controlled starch, controlled sugar formula. So the maximum NSC on it is 11%, which means that it is safe um, for all types of horses. Okay, so I mean, you really, you really can't go wrong with Competitive Edge. Um, the and and the other piece of that is, um, let's say that you're just right on the edge of all of your amino acids being satisfied. By adding a supplement like Competitive Edge into the diet, um, there's not really any major risk in in kind of going over the threshold, right? So if you if you oversupply just a touch, um, you're not gonna it's not gonna make your horse hot. It's not gonna make him crazy. It's not you know it's, it's not gonna have any any real major um, ramifications or or drawbacks, right? There's 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 no reason that that would be harmful to your horse. Now, if the daily recommended amount is, you know, 200 grams or, or half a pound, you don't need to be feeding four pounds of it. Right. So make sure that you're looking at the label directions and make sure that you're feeding it, you know, to what's appropriate for your horse. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's really kind of just a risk-free way to make sure that you are providing all of those essential amino acids in your horse's diet. Um, so I, I hope that this kind of helped maybe clear up the difference at least between, you know, non-essential amino acids and essential amino acids. Um, so just in case you fell asleep at some point in there, um, really the only ones that you need to be concerned about as far as incorporating them into the diet are those essential amino acids. Um, and like I said, all, all of those essential amino acids are included in the supplement called Competitive Edge from Stride Animal Health. Um, before I wrap up, I just want to remind everyone that, um, you can follow me now on Facebook and Instagram. So I launched social channels. Um, just search at Dr. Jimmy. So that's at D R J Y M E. Um, and that the like profile image is feed room chemist. So it should be, you know, somewhat familiar to you if you were to stumble across it on social media, but, um, I'm trying to, I want to use that platform kind of as a way to engage, um, with this audience. Um, you know, I'm happy to take questions for the podcast, um, through there. If you want to send me a private message or even drop a comment on one of the posts or something, um, I have access to, to that platform and, and I'm essentially the one that manages it. So, um, you know, you can also, you know, if you have a a need for a nutrition consult, um, you can always go to bluebonnetfeeds.com, um, and go to, uh, let's see, bluebonnetfeeds.com slash nutrition dash consult. Um, from there, you can get in contact with a nutrition consultant who can give you, um, specific advice tailored to your program, to your horse. Um, we actually have kind of tried to modify that. So, Um, we have ways now where you can request that we reach out to you by email or by phone or by text. Um, and the team is really good about, about responding, um, back to you guys as quick as possible. Um, if for some reason you have reached out and submitted a nutrition consult and you feel like nobody has gotten back to you, please send a note, send to our Facebook, send to the Bluebonnet Feeds Facebook page, like send something because that means that probably um, the consultant's email back to you got sent to a spam folder somewhere. Um, I'm kind of like really particular about making sure that the team gets back to you guys on all of that um, because I don't want you guys hanging out there not, you know, you, you, you have questions and you have needs for your horses. And I want to make sure that those get answered. And so I go through the database of people who have submitted these consults and I comb through them. And every time a, a, nutrition consultant, um, reaches back out to you guys, they have to mark this box and say that they either called or emailed or whatever. And so I'm, I make, um, certain <laughs> that they're reaching back out to you guys. So if you feel like you haven't been reached back out to or, or there's been this big gap of time just, um, get back in contact with us. Shoot us an email info at acbluebonnet.com. Um, you can reach out again through the social media pages. Um, you can reach out to bluebonnet feeds, social media, stride animal health. Um, you can now go to, to, to feed room chemist, Dr. Jimmy, um, and we will definitely get you guys taken care of. So, um, that, that would just worry me to death to think that you guys are out there like waiting for this consult to, to come back to you and, and you've heard crickets. That would be terrible. So, um, definitely don't let that happen. Um, so sorry, I'm kind of, uh, uh, digressing now, um, Also, I would really love it if you guys would leave a review or a rating, right? So I heard that Spotify actually is about to start allowing people to leave ratings on their podcast. So that's been a big thing that I've heard from people like, I want to leave you a rating on the podcast, but I listen to it through Spotify and Spotify doesn't have the option to give any stars. (laughs) So I think I got a notification that Spotify is actually going to launch that option soon if they haven't already. Um, so if you use Spotify and you haven't been able to give me any ratings before, now you have no excuses. <laughs> so I would love to see all of the stars, uh, from anybody who's really enjoying this podcast. Um, and drop me a comment, leave me a review. Um, I think my Facebook page, the at Dr. Jimmy Facebook page has the ability also to leave reviews and to leave like a five-star rating. Um, So again, if you are enjoying this, if this is providing any value to you, it would really, really, really make my day if you guys would leave me some ratings, drop me some positive comments. Honestly, this is what keeps me going. So I appreciate you guys. Um, Have a wonderful weekend. And um, again, if you have questions, just shoot us an email, shoot me a message on social media. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.